1: Welcome back to Weird Distractions Podcast, a podcast where we tell you weird, distracting stories that you may have missed in your everyday lives. I'm your host, Alex. And Christy. This week, we're going to be telling you a paranormal story about a place a little bit far from home for Christy and I here in Canada. Uh, before we dive in, though, do have a couple of things we need to address. So um, welcome if you're a new listener and thank you so much if you've been listening since episode one. Uh, as bless your to, heart. Bless, bless your heart. As previously mentioned, um, we are doing this as a way to help ourselves distract distract um, one another from the COVID-19 pandemic and thought, hey, why not make a podcast to tell stories of the weird stuff we like In a way to help other people get distracted. Um, So with that being said, back in episode one I had accidentally made a boo-boo and said Quebec, or no sorry, said Montreal instead of Quebec, which I apologize to the province of Quebec. I forget where exactly in the story it was, but I heard about it later from my boyfriend who then proceeded to tell me I don't know geography well, which fair enough, it's been a while. Um, as well as an update that we've actually switched uh, from SoundCloud as our uh, podcast host, and now we're actually on Anchor. And I will provide more of an update of where you can find us later at the end of the episode, as well as the resources for this episode. Each week, we're going to be rotating actually from true crime, conspiracy theories, and paranormal. This might change, but. I I think for right now, this is what we're going to do. So without further ado, Christy, what are you trying to distract yourself from this week? So my distractions this week is I, again, I'm an essential worker. I work
0: in healthcare, And it just seems that every day I go to work, there is some anticipation. There's worry. There's meetings. There's something changing every hour. And it's just a
1: lot to deal with in a week, especially this week. So (laughs) this is a good distraction for me. I... Don't know what is up with this week because it has been an absolute gong show. Uh, so my weird, dis- like my reason for distraction this week is work has been absolutely bonkers. Um, so I work in the mental health field. I am working from home, luckily, but that doesn't mean that things aren't still hectic with, you know, everything changing on a dime. Um, as well as some car issues that arose when I took my car to not my typical mechanic, Uh, That now I have to follow up with, which, yay, adulting is fun. In car problems. Yay. Um, As well as just overall, it's just been one of those weeks where, I don't know about you, but it seems like everything is just not working right or everything is just wrong.
0: (laughs) Yeah, like it wasn't a full moon this week or anything, was it? Not that I know of.
1: Not that I'm aware of. Like, usually I kind of keep tabs because... Um, in the mental health field, at least, I know that we often joke that when there's a full moon, that's when, you know, a lot of chaotic things come up for our clients or for our own lives. And I I don't I don't know. I, I, I didn't look into that prior to I was just, you know, hoping things were going to be as per usual. But just kidding. 2020 kicking me in the pants again.
0: It was just a rough week all around.
1: (laughs) It was just a rough week all around. So without further ado, um, before I dive in, Chrissy, do you have any other updates or anything that I might have missed on my end?
0: I don't think so. Like I said, we'll go over some stuff at the end. But just thanks for that you guys are still here and hope you enjoy our episode this week.
1: Now, let's chat about this week's weird distraction. So... This week, as mentioned, we're going to be kind of going into the more paranormal side of things um, and discussing a location that I'm actually dying, pun intended, to go to someday Um, and would definitely put high on my bucket list. This place has been around for about 134 years and has a weird dark history, which has led to some believe it is still haunted to this day due to its gloomy past. It's been a mixture of things, a wealthy hotel resort, college for young girls, a hospital and health resort by a crooked man, and finally back to a fully functioning hotel that still stands and is still offering its hospitalities to those who dare to walk in its front doors. It has even been deemed as one of America's most haunted hotels. Some sites say it is the most haunted. Uh, Popular TV-based paranormal groups that have gone in include Ghost Hunters, Paranormal witness and ghost adventures, which is my favorite. Uh, the hotel itself has had many people coming in and out throughout the years. However, there is a great number of people who have checked in and met their fate, never to leave again. Today, we're chatting about the Crescent Hotel located in Eureka, Sp- Eureka Springs, Arkansas, USA. We'll go over. I was going its- to say I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> what? How- what gave it away? <laughs> Um, we'll go over its history and some of the reported Paranormal events that have taken place. So let's get distracted, shall we? Alright, so the Crescent Hotel was built in 1886 within the Ozarks of Arkansas, built by the Eureka Springs Improvement Company and the Frisco Railroad. Eureka Springs at this time was a popular popular area due to its natural spring waters which people thought could perhaps cure pains and other issues they were facing. So this area was already kind of like a mystical place just because people thought that the, the natural springs that were running through the area had some sort of healing powers, which it's 1886. They didn't have WebMD. They had to go off what they, what they thought was you know, helpful. The hotel itself consists of 78 rooms, which have been redecorated, revamped, and revisited over and over by those living and those beyond the grave. (laughs) The hotel was made of sandstone and limestone, which some believe are conductors of energy. It is reported that the first death occurred as the hotel was being built when a stonemason, Michael, fell to his death from a shelf near the top of the building and landed on a beam, a beam which is now in the floor In room 218. Well, it's kind of kind of funny. So when I was watching this one show and it said that apparently Michael was like a ladies' man, and he was actually trying to get the attention of some girls walking by and he was struggling to get their attention, and that's how that like that's why he felt like he lost his balance and just (laughs) which He
0: got their attention. He got their
1: attention after the fact (laughs) that man no one is worth that kind of, you know. That no way kind to of go. Thing. No, no way to go. Uh, the name of the hotel reportedly comes from the fact that it sits on top of a crescent-shaped mountain. The hotel was originally built as a resort for the rich and famous. Unfortunately, after funding from the original investors was pulled and lack of revenue, the hotel upkeep became difficult to maintain, and it was quickly fell and quickly fell into dis- disrepair. So essentially. At this point, too, and I think I'll mention it, but um, this is kind of the start of the end. Like, people thought, oh, this hotel is great, yada, yada. But after a while, I think people stopped going to Eureka because, you know, they thought the natural spring was giving them healing, like, providing them healing powers and what have you Mm -hmm. until they realized it's not and people were still dying or still sick, right? So in August 1905... John Howerton was acquitted for murder of James Everett. Both were two employees of the Crescent Hotel. Um, And apparently the murder happened on site. And it happened, uh, it was reported that John was acting as a form of self-defense. Hence why the acquittal. Um, I'm not really sure what exactly went down. It didn't really say too, too much. But um, there's another death. So now we're up to two at this point.
0: Things are going good. Okay. Good,
1: not great. In 1908, the former hotel was reopened as the Crescent College and Conservatory for young women. It was discovered years later that the college was very progressive and offered teachings in law, science, music, physics, chemistry, and more, which wasn't typically common teachings offered to women during that time. So, started off negative with a couple deaths. By 1908, they're progressive. They're you know, trying to offer more wider education for women, which, fabulous. You're um, for it. You're for it. Unfortunately, like all good things, they come this to an end. This institution closed down 20 years later in 1924 and then reopened again in 1930 as a junior college. This didn't last long. After the college closed in 1934, the Crescent Hotel laid silent, except in the summer when it was still used as a resort. So essentially in the summer months, it would be rented out and used as kind of still like a wealthy-ish resort um, for those who could afford it. But then in you know the fall and presumably the winter and the spring, no one was there except for the ghosts. <laughs> During this time... Even with new owners coming in and trying their best, the upkeep still remained difficult, especially during the Depression. It wasn't until a millionaire by the name of Norman Baker came in 1937. Norman Baker, an inventor and radio broadcaster, came into Eureka Springs and claimed himself to be a savior, willing to bring Eureka Springs back on the map. He also proclaimed himself as a doctor, despite having no medical training, similar to Roke Terrio from episode one. I don't know what it is about these men that keep thinking that they can be doctors without medical degrees, but I'm not here for it.
0: Yeah, they are very mistaken.
1: Very mistaken. There's so much education you need. Anyways. Baker, being born in Iowa in November of 1882, claimed to have discovered... A number of cures quote unquote for various diseases including cancer and launched frequent attacks on organized medicine which he accused of being corrupt and profit driven baker thought he was able to provide better care to the sick so essentially he thought that other organized care uh, institutions were you know trying to take people for their money they weren't actually helping and he's like you know what no i've got all these cures I know exactly what to do, and I'm not going to rob people. Um, I'm going to actually make them feel better. Which?
0: I'm going to give them hope, and then they're going to die, because I literally have no license and know what I'm doing.
1: Exactly. So, by the time he arrived at Eureka Springs, to no shock of anyone, he had been ran out of Iowa by practicing medicine without a license. Once again shocker he leaving the baker medical institute there that he formed in the dust with his charisma i almost want to say charisma uniqueness nerve and talent but this is not paul's red grace baker convinced and eventually moved his cancer patients to arkansas and advertised his new health resort at the crescent hotel his cure once again quote unquote uh consisted primarily of the natural spring water within eureka springs along with his other previously used ailments i'm sure Baker purchased the Crescent Hotel for $40,000, along with two parks on each side. So this guy comes in, in a reportedly lavender car with a lavender suit, which we'll get into it later, a little bit later, um, rolls up in this nice car, custom paint, whatever, and is like, I'm going to put Eureka Springs back on the map, I'm a doctor, I'm going to cure everybody. He's super ambitious, like super ambitious. Like, like,
0: homeboy is just, like, reaching for the stars.
1: Reaching for the stars. He automatically thinks he's going to save this town, which... With once, water. With water and his ailments, which, oh, boy, Christy, Because you're in the medical field, when I tell you this, I know you're going to cringe. And oh, I kind of totally. can't wait. I, I can't wait for it. <laughs> um, the Giant Resort Hospital opened in November of 1937. Reportedly... Baker accumulated hundreds of thousands of dollars, which he kept in various safe various safe deposits, known only to him and his accomplice, Thelma Yaunt. Now, I'm going to mention that Thelma isn't mentioned much in many articles, only in one that about the money. So I don't really know much about her, unfortunately. Um, but anyways, postal inspectors would later claim that the hospital cleared about $500,000 in one year, which... Jeez. Back in the 1930s, that's a shit ton a, of money.
0: That's like millionaire money.
1: That's a shit ton of it. That's a lot of money. Um, mm-hmm. When Baker arrived in town, the local Chamber of Commerce, the Bank of Eureka Springs, and the Daily Times Echo all looked to Baker to rejuvenate the quiet, the now quiet town. Essentially, as mentioned before, they were hoping that with his new million, with this new millionaire in town willing to offer his money and reported healthcare services to revamp the historic building known as the Crescent, that he would bring more like he would essentially help Eureka back to what it was before. So before the town was bustling, people were coming in and out, everything was grand. The Depression hit, the Crescent Hotel took a hit. It, it just, it kind of, it became somewhat of a ghost town. No uh, pun intended. No pun, in t- no pun intended, but kind of now intended, now that I re- realize it. But little did they know this guy was a piece of shit. Anyways, the hope was that Baker would be, trying, would be able to bring in more capitalism and put Eureka Springs on the map, already said. Baker continuously advertised that he could cure cancer and save lives for cheaper than other medical institutes. So now... He is putting a little bit more emphasis on, I am going to charge you, but it's going to be cheaper than the places you were going to.
0: Still trying to take money, no matter what.
1: So you can't necessarily call him a liar, but we're going to call him a liar. (laughs) At the Crescent, Baker painted virtually everything purple or lavender. Baker was actually reported always seen in a white suit with a lavender tie. And as mentioned, had a lavender colored car. So this guy loved lavender. Favorite color, I guess. Loved. Um, he then then also apparently um, strayed away from the purple and lavender and proceeded to decorate the crescent's lobby in red, yellow, orange, and black, along with a caliphone, uh, which is a steam piano or organ on the roof, setting the institution's tone of being different than the rest during this time. The caliphone actually created by Baker under his Tangley Company. So. As mentioned, he was a bit of an inventor. He did come up with some things. He wasn't completely stupid. Just a little. <laughs> Just a little bit. Unfortunately, despite Baker's wealth and his promise to cure those who are sick, were not sincere, as we're probably figuring out. <laughs> In an article posted on the Crescent Hotel's website, uh, the story essentially goes that When he took over ownership at the Crescent Hotel, all of his previous promises and aspirations and everything kind of took a sour turn. Um, So one example that was provided, once again, from the hotel's website, uh, is a story of a man named John Tunis and his wife Lula, who was reportedly in a losing battle with cancer. By May of 1930, John felt he had no choice but to bring Lula to the Baker Institute, which was... Still located at the Crescent Hotel, Baker had changed the name, put his name on everything, um, and put her in the hands of Norman Baker. The Tunis couldn't ex- couldn't have known that Norman's magic cure, c- cancer cure, was nothing more than a mix of watermelon seed, brown corn silk, alcohol, and carbolic acid. Like what the hell is he going to treat with that? <laughs> Exactly. Um, nor that all the that all that Norman had to offer with this mixture was excruciating pseudo treatment and utter betrayal. John Tunis would later testify in a court in court against Norman Baker. Uh, Lula took the needle treatments. She told me it was awful. That five or seven needles a day were stuck into her, and they would hold them there until the medicine ran out. She said it didn't do much good. Said she wanted to go home. That she was getting worse. And was in terrible shape when she left the baker institute and went down in bed right away lula had died by christmas so she went in by may of 1930 and by christmas so december of 1930 she was gone yeah, like that, it did
0: nothing <laughs> that,
1: that's how that's how quick she went um as as if this wasn't bad enough uh, Baker was also known to experiment experiment extensively with organ transplants, like our friend Roke uh, from episode one, during a time when he, hardly anything was known about it. So he, how do I put he it? He liked playing operation? <laughs> he liked playing doctor, but didn't know what the hell he was doing.
0: Mm-hmm, doctor.
1: Baker would actually... So this is the gross part. Well, this is another gross part. There's many. But Baker would send letters in the names of his patients, sometimes even if they were already deceased from his, you know, lack of care, asking for money from their relatives and fabricating evidence that his miracle cure had worked. Fraud. Yeah. So he essentially, let's say a patient of his would die, he would then look up the information of family relatives and, you know, write them on and say, Oh, everything's going good. Hey, can you send me another thousand dollars? Oh, this cure's is so great. Norman Baker is the best. Ha 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 ha. Yeah.
0: Um, Just raking in the dough. He's
1: not, he's not, he's not doing well. Like, I mean, at the time he was raking in a crap ton of money but yeah, retro- not hearing anybody. No, he, wasn't hearing, he wasn't hearing shit. <laughs> like, uh, anyways, there are varying numbers of how many patients died during Norman Baker's time at the Crescent, but there are approximately 300 patients that they know uh, checked into the hospital, but they were uncounted for after that. However, the number has not been able to be confirmed, denied, or updated due to lack of documentation. Baker did, because he's not a good doctor. Do you think he's good at admin work? No. no. So as mentioned earlier, Baker had already failed, already had a failed medical career back in Iowa, in which he was coined a quack doctor. Baker wasn't immune to backlash throughout his entire life, though, including during his time in Eureka Springs. He continuously argued for his image to be sought as a savior, as opposed to being a phony. Baker even went as far as having a hagiography written about himself by Al- Alvin Winston, called "Doctors, Dynamites, and Gunmen." So I didn't know what a hagraphy was. Um, so thank you, Wikipedia, for teaching me something new every day. So a hagraphy is uh, essentially a type of biography that may be used to refer to the adultery and idolized biography of a founder, saint, monk, nun, or icon in any of the world's religions. So he ain't no icon. He ain't no icon. And he's not a saint. That's for sure. Um, It was often noted that Baker felt he was doing a humane crusade for the people, almost as if he was above everything else. So, (laughs) I actually have a quote from what Alvin Winston wrote in Doctors Dynamites and Gunmen, which sounds like the worst title for, like, a a D-level movie. Um, Yeah. (laughs) So this is a I'm trying not to laugh, but this is a quote from the, the book. This is an inspiration book for young and old. A fact story of how a man fought his enemies, how he faced gunmen, dynamiters, and enemy doctors, how he fought the medical racket, the radio trust, the aluminum rust, and others. He did it for you. There has never been a book prepared so carefully. This makes it the most important book Ever written. Read the life story of Norman Baker, the greatest man battle, the greatest one man ba- battle. Sorry. <sighs> one more time. Read the life story of Norman Baker, the greatest one man battle ever fought.
0: <laughs> okay, if you could like see my face when you read that, I'm just like, what <laughs> the hell? Like, no.
1: I can't roll my eyes back and like, I, I can't. I can't roll my eyes far enough. Like, <laughs> It's one thing to be, it's okay. It's one thing to be a piece of shit and be like, I don't have a medical degree, but I'm going to play a doctor. But then. To
0: have something written about you and just like glorified your whole thing when then like, none of that is true. No. None of that is
1: true. And when did he face gunmen? Or like, I just. Or dynamite.
0: Like what? Yeah.
1: I know. <laughs> so eventually, thank God. But eventually Baker's Lies would be found out and he would actually be arrested in 1940. Weirdly enough for mail fraud, which who would have thunk? The guy was literally writing letters to family members of people he pretty much killed because of, you know, uh, neglect Water. and watermelon seeds. Uh, so well, He deserved it. So Baker would be put in jail only for four years, leaving the Crescent Hotel left owner list until 1946. So now Baker's gone. Thank the Lord. Um, in 1946, the hotel saw a new round of renovations with four new owners by the names of Herbert A. Byfield, John R. Constain, Constantine, Dwight O. Nicholas, and Herbert E. Shutter. Under new management, the hotel was restored and travel vacation packages with the Frisco Railroad brought new tourists to the area. So they came in and they're probably okay. Okay. <laughs> We need to upgrade this shit now. We He's need getting to, real fancy. We need to get rid of everything Baker touched, every all of his colors. his colors, repaint everything. No more lavender. Like, oh. yeah, fresh start. Fresh start. So fast forward to 1967, a fire attributed to Bad wiring claimed the penthouse level and most of the fourth floor. Uh, It wasn't documented that anyone died there at that time, but you never know. Um, Then according to the hotel's website in 1972, the hotel was sold to Crescent Heights Developments Incorporated, which was owned by four investors at the time. The purpose of this group was to restore the crescent to its former glory while modernizing the amenities. In phases, they restored the property and expanded facilities. It was during this period that supernatural occurrences were first reported. Ooh, spooky. Yeah. Which I don't know if you're aware. I mean you've probably seen on, on any ghost show or I probably mentioned it a million times because I'm a ghost fanatic. But um, when you go into a place that has had such tragic history, and you start renovating or messing with the original layout of the home, even if it's moving a picture, it piss ghosts off. It 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 sends them into a freaking frenzy. Yeah, um, they get mad,
0: and then you're gonna hear from them.
1: Exactly. So I'm not surprised, <laughs> but I also think that. One could speculate wildly that probably supernatural occurrences were happening before then. It's just when Norman Baker probably was running the joint, uh, the ghosts are like, nah, there's already dark stuff going on here. We'll we'll just, we'll take, we'll we'll take a break and let him do his thing.
0: Or the fact that he's just so crazy, like if something happened, he's just like, yeah, it's normal. Didn't notice.
1: (laughs) Well, I can just imagine, like, when the ghost walking into a room where Norman Baker was, quote unquote, practicing surgery and just been like, ah, I was going to haunt this room. But you know what? Matt, nah, I'm
0: going to turn around.
1: <laughs> this guy's doing some weird shit. I'm going to just, I'm going to call it a day.
0: <laughs> I'm out.
1: Oh. All right. So, uh, between 1997 and 2007, 35 guest rooms and New Moon Spa opened. Penthouses houses were properly restored and open to the public. Restoration of original roof line and gardens refurbished and renovated... Uh, re- refurbishing and renovating the remaining room rooms um, so that all uh, remaining 68 rooms were complete. Um, the conservatory was rebuilt with a boardwalk and gazebo and more updates to bring the Crescent Hotel to where it is today. So between that chunk of time so 1997 and 2007 they just did a revamp of everything um it is a yeah it is a it is a historical site so good to know obviously because it was built in 1886 and still stands Mm -hmm. now let's go in to why we're here we are here to bring you a weird distraction and what is that ghosts so let's talk about the spooky shit all right so As mentioned, Michael, the stonemason named Michael, who died during constructions of the hotel back in 1886, is reportedly seen quite frequently in room 218. Um, This is actually where people suspect that he fell to his death, as I previously mentioned. And now now the room, uh, now referred to as Michael's room it, on the hotel's website, boasts as one of the most spiritually active rooms in the original building. Mm. So even the hotel now is like, yeah, come stay in Michael's room. It's really uh, long- yeah. yeah. Let's do <laughs> it. Let's make a profit. Um, which, fair enough, I would do the same. If I had a hotel and knew about someone dying, well, I don't know. Maybe not. I need to think about that more. Anyway, so Michael is evidently a trickster of a spirit who likes to play with the lights, the doors, and the television and pound loudly on the wall. So he is essentially that teenage boy that doesn't understand that people are trying to sleep and is walking around causing a scene. Mm. (laughs) So annoying. Um, others have witnessed hands coming out of the bathroom mirror and heard cries of what sounded like a man falling from the ceiling. Some other With hands no. <laughs> no, no. Mm, don't don't like that. Uh, some other guests have reported being shaken during the night while sleeping and on one occasion, uh, a patron ran screaming from the room, professing to have seen blood splattered all over its walls. That's a lot. <laughs> Lot. That's a lot to take in, because mm-hmm. um, like it's one thing, it's one thing to hear like footsteps or maybe the lights go on and off, but to then see blood splattered all over the walls, like
0: yeah, and, or hear like a door creak and you're like, okay, it's whatever, and then to be like, okay, there's someone behind the mirror with F. <laughs>
1: exactly. So, um, based on the Ghost Adventures video that I watched, there's apparently a sculpture dedicated to Michael in the hotel, which I thought was kind of nice, because like. <laughs> If they're gonna make if, it, oh God. if they're gonna make revenue off the guy, you know,
0: give what? him some props.
1: Exactly. All right, so on to ghost number two. So the unnamed nurse. The spirit of a nurse dressed all in white is often seen pushing a gurney around the third floor. Only spotted after 11 p.m., the reported time which they used to move the deceased out of the cancer hospital, the ghostly spirit vanishes when she reaches the end of the hallway. Frightening. Don't like it. Spooky. Spooky. Others who have not seen the apparition have reported the sounds of squeaks and rattles that sound like a gurney rolling down the hallway. So, speaking of the third floor, staff have noticed that on that floor where the laundry room is located, the washing machines will randomly begin in the middle of the night. <laughs> Which, I wish I had that problem where, like, let's say you go down, you put, the lo- like, your load of dirty laundry in and you just leave it.
0: And, and let then, the ghost and do and let, the rest of it.
1: Exactly. Like, how helpful would that be? <laughs> All right, so the third ghost I have to talk about is Mr. Norman Baker himself. So, Norman would pass away at the age of 75 in 1958 down in Florida. Um, ironically enough, due to cancer.
0: <laughs> oh, his daughter didn't treat him? No yeah. wonder.
1: I, I'm not laughing because he died. I'm just laughing because it's so ironic. Like, this dude was like, I could can cure cancer, and then he gets cancer, and, like...
0: It does, yeah.
1: And his watermelon seeds do not help him. The irony. <laughs> the irony. Um, so he died in Florida, as mentioned, away from another one of his Fortress of Lies. But people still say they see a presence that resemble him roam in the old recreation room in the basement and at the foot of the first floor stairway. Dressed in a purple shirt and white linen suit, which... Um, he's still rocking the purple in the afterlife. He just loves
0: it. He just
1: loves it. Uh, He looks apparently to some, uh, the apparition looks confused. It appears identical to the old photographs. So in the hotel, they actually have a bit of a museum and it goes over, like, all the history points that I've kind of already gone over. Um, So I guess people would would see him and be like, oh, my gosh, like, that guy looks, you know, oddly familiar. Go back into the museum and be like, holy shit, it's Norman Baker.
0: Like, he's here. I see him. He's here.
1: (laughs) All right. So this isn't necessarily a ghost or apparition itself. It's just um, a part of the hotel. So the old switchboard... The hotel's antique switchboard was still being used for a period, but when it continually received phone calls from the otherwise empty basement, the switchboard was no longer used. It should be noted that in the basement was where Dr. Baker's patients were often taken to receive their quote-unquote treatments.
0: So people are, your ghosts are calling from down there upstairs, potentially. Yeah. Okay.
1: So they had this switchboard hooked up and, you know, they're maybe using it from time to time. And then all of a sudden they were receiving phone calls from the basement, but no one would be in the basement. Spooky. The calls were coming from inside the house. Sorry, I had to. Um, (laughs) um, That is a good uh, movie, okay. (laughs) Such a good movie. Such a good movie. I need to rewatch it. Um, next is Theodora, reportedly a Victorian styled woman is seen near room 419 near the housekeeper's room in which she claims herself to be living to the she okay, sorry, she claims herself to the living to be a cancer patient before fading away. So people will see her and she'll like, they'll approach her and be like, Oh, like, are you lost? Because she probably looks like she's lost. And you know, she's wearing Victorian clothing. So why not approach her? Because that just seems like the most logistical thing to do and you know she'll identify that she's a cancer like a patient of dr baker's and then poof she's gone
0: so she was a housekeeper that's where she came from
1: that's just where she's located which Mm, actually might be a bit of a confliction because i could have sworn oh never mind Sorry, I thought I had a conflict. I thought I might have wrote it wrong. So the laundry room on the third floor, and the housekeeping room is on the fourth floor. For all those that are very, very particular about geograph- Geog- <laughs> geography. <laughs> geography. <laughs> Tanner. <laughs> Tanner. Um, all right, the next one is a quiet bystander. So, according to the Legends of America website, in the lobby of the Crescent Hotel, a gentleman dressed in formal Victoria clothing, complete with a top hat, has often been spotted at the bottom of the stairway and sitting at the bar. Described as a distinguished-looking individual with a mustache and beard, many have claimed to entice him into conversation. However, he just quietly sits there and never responds before he suddenly disappears. That's frightening.
0: (laughs) Let me just chat you up and then be like, "Oh, and he's
1: gone." Okay. It's clearly what clearly people were approaching him like long before the invention of cell phones because I do not recall ever going to a hotel bar where someone came up to me and tried talking to me, mind you. I I might not be approachable, but like, (laughs) Uh,
0: or old enough. They're like,
1: "Nope." They're probably like, "Is she twelve? Why is she here?" But the man, the the. The man just wanted to have probably a brewski and just chill, and some human, like, some live people came up to him and was like, oh my gosh, so how long are you staying here for? Oh, isn't this a lo- lovely bar? And he's probably just like, oh, not again.
0: I'm just vanishing, bye.
1: <laughs> I wish that was a ho- an option for humans. Like, I keep saying humans. I wish there was an option for the living. Just to vanish, just boom. All right. So, now we're going to move to the dining room. So, reportedly in the hotel's crystal dining room contains frequent paranormal activities. Here, other apparitions dressed in Victorian style um, have often been encountered. Many have seen groups of 1890s dancers in full full dress attire whirling around the room in the wee hours of the morning, which... They're just trying to practice, like... Just trying them. to practice and have a dinner party, like, leave them alone. Exactly. They're just dancing, gosh. Um, other reports tell of a 19th century gentleman who has been seen sitting at a table near the windows. When approached, he says, I saw the most beautiful woman here last night, and I'm waiting for her to return before fading away. Which, like...
0: She no one ever returned. She's also dead. <laughs> yeah, they
1: Lot twist, they're both dead. Um, these Victorian spirits that visit the dining room are said to be very playful, and on one occasion during the Christmas season, the Christmas tree and all its packages were found mysteriously moved to the other side of the room. Hey. Additionally, all the chairs had been moved to a circle or to face the transported tree. Which is kind of... Creepy. It's creepy. It's creepy, but it's kind of cute. Because, like, I don't know if... I don't know how much ghosts interact with one another, but like, I could just kind of imagine all the ghosts of the hotel. They're like, Oh, it's Christmas. Let's have Christmas. Let's all in a circle. Yeah. Let's, let's exchange gifts, which like, what kind of gifts would ghosts exchange?
0: No idea. Hopefully oh. life.
1: <laughs> that's, that's a quarantine or isolation thought our listeners can have and can maybe get back to us about is what kind of gifts would ghosts give to one another? Please let us know. Um, on another occasion, staff arrived in the morning to find the dining room in perfect order, except for all the menus scattered about the room. So someone clearly read the menu, didn't like the fact that it didn't have an omelette or some kind of breakfast thing. And was like, you know what? Menu's I'm all done. Right. It.
0: Throw them all away.
1: <laughs> exactly. Uh, So in the dining room's kitchen, the apparition of a small boy has been seen skipping around and sometimes pots and plants are said to come flying off their hooks on their own. So watch out. Watch your head. All right. The next one is schoolgirl or lady in the mist she has two names um, so one other often reported scene spirit is that of a young female who once attended or suspectedly attended uh, the crescent college and conservatory for young women um, according to the tale the young woman either jumped from or was pushed from the third floor east side balcony to her death uh, the identity of the girl is unknown, but there are some speculations and wild stories that she may have been pregnant. Which I always find it weird when people are like, "Oh yeah, we don't know who she was, but she was probably pregnant." Like, why? Why does like, that? Why is that you your a- first thought? And I like, a how do you know? Or why are you were assuming? I need the receipts to know that she was pregnant. I, before before we speculate wildly, at least tell me why we think she's pregnant. Yeah. Right. Anyway, so today, guest report hearing screams down the halls around the building, suspected where this young woman fell to her death. So I don't know if you're picking up on the theme, but besides room 208, the floors of room, like the third floor and the fourth floor are pretty, are big hot spots, as well as the kitchen of the dining room, the dining room itself, and the old switchboard. So yeah, there's a lot of hot spots in there. There's a lot of hot spots. Um, so we're gonna go back to, to my favorite, known as the Butterman. I'm not lying. That's what he's referred to as the Butterman. And which, why so other apparition apparitions have been cited in room 202 and room 424, as well as go um, as a ghostly waiter carrying the tray carrying a tray of butter, um, will apparently kind of just show up in these rooms, or he'll be walking in the respected hallways, just walking and that, by and be like, I have some butter for you, and that's it, like, there's nothing else. It's just like he's just carrying his tray of butter, and it's like, wait, does he that's come what
0: with what he wants toast? to do in his past life? I guess I
1: don't know. Well, yeah, but like, does he come with toast? Is there bagels? It's like. <laughs> what is the butter for
0: he wants you to eat a stick of butter and ha- enjoy it
1: <laughs> he's trying to kill everybody by getting by getting them fat um anyway so in particular we're going to be- now be talking about the actual ghost uh the paranormal teams that go in, that have gone into the crescent hotel so first let's go off with um ghost adventures so I actually watched the episode of Ghost Adventures um, where they reported other identities, such as the little boy and the demon. Um, they also confirmed through their research, uh, the identities or the apparition, sorry, of Norman Baker, the lady in the mist slash a schoolgirl, and Michael's presence uh, within, you know, the wide wrist of hauntings I've told you. Mm-hmm. So in the episode, the only thing I kind of got about the demon was that one woman um, that actually, like, one of the staff reported to the Ghost Adventures team that she was down in the morgue and reportedly saw a shadow that resembled the devil, and that they felt with this area in particular, so the former morgue was plagued by a demon because of all the malicious and awful things that happened down there. Um, because when you do evil shit, you attract evil shit. That's you know, and unspoken- just a given. Yeah, it's an unspoken mantra, right?
0: So this demon is different from any of these ghosts
1: you've already talked about. Yeah, yeah. So okay. it, it's separate. And then there's another separate one that I haven't really talked about, but I we'll get into it. So the little boy that the Ghost Adventures talk about, um, staff reported to the Ghost Adventures team that they caught photogenic evidence of a little boy near the staircase in the hotel. Staff, Some of the staff believed that the little boy's name was Brakey. And I had to listen three times because I was like, what did they call him? His name was Brakey.
0: Um, Just sad life if that's your name.
1: Exactly. Um, but apparently he died in the hotel when his appendix ruptured, which is oh. now. Um, but it wasn't really said when it happened, how old he was, why he was there, you know, all that fun stuff. Um mm-hmm. So Crescent Workers also told the Ghost Adventures gang that they have had numerous members of their ghost tours because, of course, they have their own ghost tours, which I want to go on so badly um, and stay at the hotel. Um, they've had numerous people of these tours faint, specifically on the third floor.
0: The hot spot.
1: Hot Hotspot. Um, so in this episode, Zach Bagans, he's kind of the lead investigator, and you really can't miss him because he's just... A lot? He's a lot to handle. No disrespect, just a lot to handle, which, fair enough, I feel like if you're in, if you're a paranormal investigator, you kind of have to be a bit... You need to be out there to,
0: have to be in this profession.
1: Yeah, like, I think you have to be a little bit eccentric, a little bit, you know, I don't want to say out there because that just has, like, a negative underlining to it, but you have to be a lot. <laughs> um so zach is seen falling ill during a spirit box session so the the spirit box se- session sorry is done during the day so they're not even in like their quote-unquote lockdown yet at night um, mm-hmm. in the former pain asylum portion of the crescent hotel so for those who do not know what a spirit box is it is a ghost hunting tool that essentially skips through various radio frequencies super fast um, which can allow for spirits to try and make contact I don't know the exact science to it. I have downloaded a free app of myself for myself that we tried when Christy another friend and I went quote unquote ghost hunting back last fall. Um, it's different not sure
0: exactly if it worked or not.
1: Yeah, I mean it was free on Apple on the App Store. <laughs> it is so what it is. It is what it is. So in reviewing the recording later on. A voice saying, you got credit, was picked up while Zach was throwing up. So, Zach is getting sick. He's not feeling well. They're still running the spirit box. And as he's throwing up, all you hear is, you got credit? <laughs> um, I got my credit card. <laughs> is that debit or credit? <laughs> no, but um, they... They pick this up and they think so the crew believes that this could have been norman baker the former money money hungry con man trying to still make a deal in the afterlife like legit they're mm. like he's trying to see if i will pay for his treatment
0: i can see that okay yeah
1: Like, it's not out of the realm of possibilities, right? So, um, now fast-forwarding into the night investigation, so they're actually locked down. This is the second day they're at the location. Uh, Crew member Jay was down in the morgue setting up a camera when he thought he heard and saw someone. Um, As he went back upstairs, the curtain in front of the camera began moving on the film. So, it kind of started, like, doing... It started moving as if there was, like, a draft, or, like, as if someone was maybe, like, just, like, ran behind it, which is, like, watching it was super creepy, Mm-hmm. um so another crew member billy went down to investigate to see if there was a breeze or force causing it however they were unable to find the source and the curtain stopped moving whenever a crew member got near so the curtain would keep moving when everyone was upstairs and then when people would go downstairs to see what the hell's going on it stopped somebody playing tricks on you exactly um the Ghost Adventure team also recorded a music box located near their home base. So I think they're kind of near the lobby, and they kind of, that's where they set up all their equipment. And all of a sudden, this music box just starts playing super randomly for about an hour. Um, there were five of the crew members in, involved with this investigation, and no one touched it. It just started hmm. going off. It's like, play a tune. I don't know about you, but I find music boxes extremely creepy.
0: it bit creepy and annoying, yes.
1: Well, in because it's usually not like it's not flow rider's right low playing. It's some like do 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 like some like
0: some trying super, to be like uplifting thing, but it's like super ominous.
1: It's super ominous. Like it's. Ugh. Anyways, um, they also experience problems with electronic equipment, which you know apparently. Um, according to a lot of people, happens when there is a spirit or um, some kind of energy manifesting around. Is that they'll take the energy from your electronic equipment to use that to manifest further. Yeah. Uh, reportedly, saw black shadow figures, heard voices, especially from Michael's room in 218, and experienced cold spots and physical touches and scratches. So they got they got, they got quite a quite I'm a sure. lot, yeah. Um, and then finally, during Ghost Hunters, uh, they're also referred to as the Tap. Uh, they don't they uh, they don't uh, hunt anymore together. They're kind of separate. But back when this was aired, which was do 2005, um, they mm-hmm. went. The show was called Ghost Hunters, and they were. I, I remember they were called Tap, but I don't remember why. Anyways, um, so during their own investigation, Grant and Jason, uh, the two lead investigators, had caught a f- clear figure of a man approximately two feet away with a thermal camera. <laughs> so, they
0: That's creepy.
1: Just, yeah, so they were yeah. So they're I forget where exactly they were, but they I think they were down near the morgue. And there's all of a sudden there's this man, like two feet ahead, like in front of them. And It looked like he was wearing, like it looked like he was wearing um, like a military suit almost. Like it's hard to tell, obviously with thermal. Mm-hmm. There was a patch on the on the apparition's shoulder that almost looked like a two or like a just like a distinctly identified patch. So that was that was odd, spooky. Yes. And that's my weird distraction.
0: I quite enjoyed it today.
1: <laughs> yeah. So um, it's it honestly, I I want to go here so bad. Once this quarantine and COVID nineteen shit goes, I am booking. I'm going to Eureka Springs also because it's super beautiful. Like it's, uh, you have to Google image this place. It's so pretty.
0: We'll just go do a touring during the day of all the pretty stuff. And then we'll go lock down at night and get scared. It's fine.
1: Exactly. It's fine. Um, (laughs) So um, I just want to cite my sources. So for this episode, I got information from the grave talks podcast, specifically episode 11 by Tony Bruski. Uh, Wikipedia, of course, because, like, it's my savior. It's the jam. the jam. Um, Encyclopedia of Arkansas website, the Crescent Hotel website, uh, The History Behind America's Most Haunted Hotel by Emma Wilson, dated October 22nd, 2010, Legends of America website. Uh, when, as mentioned, Ghost Adventures, the TV show, specifically episode seven, season eighteen, which was aired last year, last June actually. Um, and then finally, Ghost Hunters, another TV show I had already mentioned, which uh, specifically it's episode twenty-three, season two, which aired October nineteenth, two thousand five. Whew! That's a lot. It's a big one. It's a big one. So, if you like our show, please follow us. You can find us at. Um, we're actually on now two social media platforms. So we're on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is Weird Distract I One. So W E I R D D I S T R A C T I One. Don't ask. I don't. The process of making a Twitter handle was weird for some reason I, I think i might have blacked out <laughs> <laughs> and now we're on instagram uh so our instagram handle is weird distractions pod you can now find us on these various platforms to listen so we are on anchor which is our host site spotify breaker google Podcasts, apple Podcasts, overcast overcast Pot, pocketcast and radio public um, if you have suggestions, comments, feedback, anything you want to do, if you just want to say hi, why not? Uh, you can email us at weirddistractionspodcast at outlook.com. Um, we would appreciate some feedback because, as mentioned previously, this is kind of our first go at podcasting. We're no experts. We're still learning. and um, would, you know, just appreciate hearing how we're doing if we're doing shit please just be nice about it
0: (laughs) yes please no trolls and yeah just email give us a heads up of anything that you think we can change or do better on or give us some gratitude
1: if you're enjoying listening yeah exactly and i think that's it um next episode is going to be a true crime uh focused and it is a doozy so without further ado thank you for listening once again and you know what stay weird stay safe out there mostly um and uh, is that it? Is that it for you christy i'm trying to think of anything else
0: no just thanks for listening guys and we'll see you next time
1: all right oh 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 gosh i always forget the end phrase <laughs> so i'm so bad at this um so always remember that you can find distractions in the busiest of times if one simply looks for the weird 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 all right bye everybody
0: Thank you. Hi everyone, I'm Ariel Cooksey, host of Malice. When violent acts occur, we tend to think the predators are monsters. Surely no human could do such things. But if we're honest, only humans commit malicious crime. And if you're like me, you want to know why. To find out, join me at Malice, wherever you listen to podcasts. Bye.